Welcome, everyone. Before we uh, dive into our teaching today, uh, just I want to say again, happy Father's Day to all you dads. I uh, love you guys and respect you. And um, I, uh, I always miss my dad on this day. I can, I can hardly talk about him still, you know. But um, when I miss him, it reminds me of the opportunity God has given me and the enormous impact that my father made on my life. Very simple man, but uh, loved me, sacrificed for me, uh, did his best for me, and uh, the gratitude and the, the direction that put my life on. So I want to say that all of you, I'm grateful for you. I'm thankful for your uh, security you provide for your family, the stability you provide for them, the love. So much of fathering is showing up <laughs> engaging, and uh, thank you for doing that. Just the statement you would make to, to come to church instead of go to the golf course today, that you're teaching your children something. So love you guys. We respect you. We stand with you, and, and happy Father's Day. My, my friend in Indiana, his church is giving a Harley away today. So uh, here at Grace, I want to offer you a, a firm handshake after the service. That's what you get for Father's Day, and uh, glad that you're here. We, uh, we're in a series right now called uh, Half of Me is Invisible, and, and uh, we're talking about uh, the unseen, the realities of it. And we started that conversation last weekend, uh, just talking through how most of what I really care about in life is the invisible side of my life. I care about meaning and purpose and love and relationships, not money and buildings and cars, those kind of things. We give it all away for the invisible things that actually define us and drive us. And so we had a long conversation about that uh, last weekend. I encourage you, if you missed it, you can go out online, uh, go to our website, graceohio.org, and you can watch it or listen to it there. You get a podcast for free through iTunes. It'll just send it to you every week if you want. And uh, it, I'd take the time, if you have it, to catch up uh, on that conversation because it's a great foundation for all that we're talking about. One of the things that we touched on was that not only are there invisible parts of me, but there are, un -invisible, there are invisible parts of our world, or what the Bible would call unseen things in our world. We actually looked at a passage and uh, talked about it more last weekend of uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Uh, the Apostle Paul says this, he said, we're not, we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and the authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule the world, and against the wicked spirits in the heavenly realm. And the Bible's real clear that there's a unseen reality, that there's a spiritual war that exists between God and Satan, that humanity is the prize and earth is the battlefield, and that those realities are around us all the time. They affect us all the time. And so that's why we're spending the time to talk about that. So last week we talked about how God's word addresses that more than it does anything else. And that it's good because we are mostly spiritual, uh, God's word addresses the spiritual sides of who we are. Uh, someone told me a, a saying that they read earlier today. Uh, they said, uh, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And it's very, very true. I don't know who, what quote that is. It's a bumper sticker, I think, but it, it, it's, it's true. It's just a good one, right? And so it's true that I'm more spiritual than I am anything else. And the Bible would say, well, that's actually true of the world, that there's a spiritual reality in the world. 
and that it affects us. So we're having that conversation, and we're going to talk about, this weekend we're going to talk about angels and demons and how that shows up. Next weekend we're going to talk about heaven, uh, what that's like. Uh, the, the weekend after that we're going to talk about hell and what that's like. And then the weekend after that we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and uh, what he's like and how we should uh, interact uh, with all of those things and how those things affect us. So Paul, we don't battle against flesh and blood, evil rulers, the unseen world, mighty powers of darkness, wicked spirits. What are these powers? What should we know and think about them? What kind of power do they have? And let's talk about a little bit about angels and demons, okay? Now, let me just tell you ahead of time, buckle up, buckle up, because we're going to move today more than usual, and we're going to move through the Bible, and I'm going to try to download a bunch of doctrine and theology to you. So if you're taking notes, don't be surprised if your pen catches on fire. It's not a demon. It's just you taking notes so fast. Uh, if you're electronic, if you have an Apple product, you're fine. If you have a non-Apple product, it will probably blow up. It's not a demon. It's just that you should have sprung for the Apple product. You just got, you bought the junk. That's all I'm saying. So here we go, okay? Angels and demons. When we talk about angels and demons, I want to talk about this stuff in the context of our culture and how it's going to present the most in our culture. Uh, one of the names of Satan is that he is, he is the father of lies. He's a deceiver. And so when Satan looks at us, the Bible is very clear that as God loves us, Satan hates us. He hates you. He hates your children. He hates your family. He hates everything about you. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his goal in life, to destroy you because God loves you, right? So the best play for Satan in this is deception, and so when we talk about angels and demons, the, the, the big key is that Satan wants to deceive you and I to pull us away from a focus on Christ. That means that because cultures are different across the world, his ways of deceptions are going to play out differently depending on the culture that we're in. So if we were in Brazil, uh, where my wife Heidi is from, she's Brazilian, demons, and angel, they, demons especially would show up in a certain way. Uh, if we were in Central Africa in Chad, where we spend lots of time and energy with our, our brothers and sisters there, uh, angels and demons would, would, would play out a certain way because the people, the culture's different. It's not better or worse. They're not you know, less intelligent than we are or anything like that. It's just different. They're going to think of things normally different than you and I are. In the North American or the Western culture, we're not as drawn to like powerful spiritual things. They tend to freak us out. We're more susceptible to subtle deceptions, okay? And, and that's how Satan would then operate with us. Satan and demons would operate with us. They would seek to kind of deceive us because it's the type of thing that would, would be the most effective in our culture. So most of the time here, when we talk about uh, angels and demons, we'll talk about in terms of like, like this. We'll talk about guardian angels. That makes sense to us. We think about that. Uh, we talk about psychics or mediums. Uh, that would make a little bit of sense to us. Maybe spirit guides, witches, warlocks, demons like Wicca, that kind of stuff, like Halloween-y kind of things. Ghosts, we would think about. Uh, seances, Ouija boards. 
uh, loved ones guiding us. You know, th- that's how we would tend to think about it. We, we wouldn't tend to think of a voodoo idol in which we would offer the blood of animals, which we deal with all the time in Haiti. Okay, we, it's not how we play kind of a thing, right? We wouldn't think of uh, a witch doctor uh, conjuring or trying to contact a demon. Like that would freak us out a little bit. But we would, we would sit down and we would watch a movie that would display really, really freaky things like paranormal activity, like 27. I don't know, they made so many of these things. Now I can't keep track of it. Like we would be drawn to that or we would be drawn to inner light, we would be drawn to meditation, we'd be drawn to to those kind of things, okay? So I'm going to talk about angels and demons in that kind of context, not so much in our minds in the sensational uh, edges of it, although they exist for sure, but more in the ways that, that we would be affected by these things. So When someone says, I've had this spiritual experience, or I saw a ghost, or I I heard a noise, or uh, Uncle Ed, who passed away, talked to me about something, are they making that up? Did they, you know, they have too much to drink? What's their deal? Or was that a real experience? And I would say to you, it's very possible that it's a very real experience. Spirits exist. Angels and demons exist. The Bible's super clear about that not questioning whether the experience was real or not, what we want to do is look to the Bible and have the Bible define what that experience is. So did it happen? Sure. But what happened? What were you experiencing? And and how should we then, once we understand it, how should we discern it? Uh, The Apostle John helps us with this. You got your Bibles, open them up. John, 1 John chapter 4 1 John chapter 4, if you don't have a Bible, there's something in the chairs, page 856 in those Bibles. 1 John chapter 4, page 856. If you're electronic, we use the U version app, Y-O-U version. You can open that up, hit live, and our zip code is 44333. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, chapter 4, 1 John. This is what the Apostle John says. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So the Apostle John uh, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, the prophets of the Old Testament, everyone acknowledges that they're spirits, right? That's not, that's not what John's calling into question. He's saying, hey, when this happens, when you interact with the spirit or you have the spiritual experience, test it, discern, think it through, put it through a litmus, because that spirit is either from God or it's from the evil one, okay? So let me, let me give you a, a three-minute tutorial on angels and demons. So what are they? Angels are created beings. God created angels. And what do they do? Well, they serve at God's pleasure. So some of them are worshiping God right now in his throne room, the Bible tells us. Uh, some of them uh, have done warfare, and we'll read about that in the Bible, and they're doing that now. And then uh, some of them have brought messages from God. In fact, the Hebrew word for angel means messenger, 
okay? So the, the angel story that we're most familiar with is the Christmas story. So the angel comes and talks to Mary and talks to Joseph and the, the sky opens up and there's an angel choir and we sing about Hark the Herald Angels Sing and they, we're, we're very familiar with that. And those are very real creatures and they're created by God, a little higher than us, and they interact with God. Now the Bible tells us that the most beautiful angel and powerful angel that God ever created was an angel named Lucifer. And we also know him as Satan, the devil, evil one, Beelzebub, right? So Lucifer, beautiful angel, powerful angel. And the Bible tells us that Lucifer became filled with pride and he led a rebellion against God. He tried to overthrow God in heaven. God defeated that rebellion and he cast Lucifer and one third of the angels out of heaven. He punished them. They were thrown to earth, and then some of them are locked up right now, and that ignited a war between God and Satan. There's enmity, there's a state of war between God and Satan. Humanity is the prize of that war because God loves you more than anything else, Satan hates you more than anything else, and the earth is the battleground for that war. So we start to see the record of that in human history in the Garden of Eden, right? There's a deception getting Adam and Eve to walk away from God, and then we feel the results of that all the way through our, our interaction today as this spiritual war that Paul wrote about, Ephesians chapter six, is raging around us all the time. That's why he says, hey, we're not battling flesh and blood. It's all these other things that are going on. This is the real war. This is the depth of the reality. So demons are fallen Angels, that's what they are, the rebellious angels that God has punished, okay? Satan is their leader. He's the prince of the power of the air, so he, he, he kind of has reign over the earth right now or freedom over the earth right now. And demons serve at his pleasure. Angels, right, are, serve at God's pleasure. And they are focal points in this great war between God and Satan. So John says... When you have a spiritual experience or you see a ghost or you have a spirit guide or whatever happens, test that, test that. Because there's only two options. Every spiritual experience that we ever have, that spiritual experience is directly tied to the angelic or to the demonic. It's directly tied to the angelic or to the demonic. There's only two options, right? It's either angelic, it's from God, or it's demonic, it's anti-Christ, okay? And this is what John says in verse two and three. This is how you test it. This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So the Antichrist is not just this person that's gonna show up at the end of time. Uh, the Bible says there are many, many Antichrists and it, and it just, those people or spirits are, are just like they sound. They are people, thought processes, religion, worldviews, or spirits that are anti-Jesus. So every spiritual experience is either pro-Jesus from the heart and mind of God are anti-Jesus from the heart and the mind of Satan. And John says, we need to test. 
We need to discern. We need to be aware of what's happening around us. And we need to think through and filter through whether I'm experiencing something that's from God or I'm experiencing something that is from the evil one, okay? We're to have a healthy skepticism. If I'm interacting with the spirit or with spiritual ideas, a healthy skepticism of what's going on. And if you have an experience that is spiritual and that experience does not bring direct and correct praise to Christ alone, it's demonic, okay? If it does not bring direct and correct praise to Christ alone, then it's demonic. It's either physically demonic or it's rooted in the thinking of one who is anti-Christ. Direct and correct. Paul tells Timothy, listen, you're to be a, a person of the word of God, we're to know the Bible, and you are to be a person of sound doctrine, so we would say if it's not direct, we're praising Jesus Christ as the only true God and correct. In the Bible, sound doctrine, good theology, then it's against God. And there's two options, angelic or demonic. And John says, test the two things and see which one you're dealing with. So all teachings involving angels have their origins in the heart and the mind of, of Satan or in the heart and mind of God. And anything that's false, anything that does not bring direct and correct praise to Jesus is always on the Antichrist side. It's always a false teaching. Now let's just talk about this for a minute because when we think about this in our culture, Satan is the deceiver and he's going to approach our culture in a way that makes sense to us. So one of the things the Bible tells us about Satan is that he masquerades as an angel of light. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, Paul says, I'm not surprised even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment that their wicked deeds deserve. Guys, in our culture... Satan's best play is not to jump out from behind a bush with horns and a red suit and a pitchfork, right? That would, that would freak us out. If a demon like possessed your dog and your dog like chewed your throat out, we'd be like, yeah, we'd all be in church. Like that would, that would freak us out. Now your cat, your cat is a demon, okay? So you have to like, you gotta be discerning. So, you tell, so but, right, so it, that's not gonna happen. Like, like it's it, the, the slimy, gory, eye-popping out Halloween costume. Like, in our culture, that's not going to be the general way that the demonic's gonna show up. Now, that weird stuff happens. It, it's legit, okay? But in our culture, generally, that'd freak us out. That would freak us out. So in our culture, the best play for Satan is to masquerade as an angel of light to bring attention and focus to himself in a way that's palatable to us. And this is where you get into like the friendly ghost. Uh, this is where you get into the spirit guide. This is where you get into spirituality, okay? Where I'm, a, I'm just a spiritual person. Where are you a Christ follower? I'm a spiritual person. And so Satan's deceptions are subtle, but they're deadly because there's only one or two options. It's either from God or from the Antichrist. Okay? So it's either taking me to Jesus or taking me away from it. And as we discern, as we test the spirits, the come to the concert, worship the devil and drink blood, that's an easy one for us. We're, we're not going to do that. But be a really good person and be the best you you can be. 
that's going to make more sense to us, okay? And that's the play that Satan's going to use in, in our culture because he's going to present himself in a palatable way for you and I. So how do you tell the difference if we're testing the spirits? How do you tell the difference uh, when, a, when a spiritual experience is godly or ungodly? How can you tell a counterfeit one from a real one? And what John teaches us to do is to, is to exercise kind of this healthy skepticism. I'm going to test it and I'm, I'm going to think it through. So I want to give you two like broad filters that you would push this stuff through that would get you in the ballpark of whether I'm dealing with something from God or I'm dealing with something that's anti-Jesus. Here's the first one. Ready? I'm going to test the spirits. Spirits from God, angelic spirits, spirits from God will always give glory to God and will always point people to worship Christ. Spirits from God will always give glory to God, the one true God, the God of the Bible, and will always point people to worship Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. True godly spirits will always give glory to God and will direct you to worship Christ. There's accounts in the Bible where the, an angel has shown up. And because humanity, we are, we are wired to worship. It's how God created us. When we see something spiritual that we don't understand, we, we like it because all of a sudden we can touch what is unseen. And in the Bible, there's accounts where angels would show up and people would see it and they would fall down and they would begin to worship the angel. And if that angel was from God, that angel would stop them and would refuse to re accept their worship. Angels also worship Christ. By the way, the same thing is true of human beings. If they, would, if they receive your worship, they're false prophets because true followers of Jesus always deflect you to Jesus. They're not trying to get the credit ourselves. So thing, same thing is true of angelic beings. What Paul's talking about there is he says, listen, there's people that they're, they, they've had these spiritual experiences. Are they making it up? Maybe not, probably not. I mean, they, they very well could have interacted with a spiritual being. But now they take that and they would say, I have a, another level of spirituality. I have a deeper insight in my relationship with God. I, I have a connection to the spiritual world that you don't have. And he says they'll go into great detail and they will feel like they have a spiritual authority because they're interacting with a spirit being. What's happening? They're drawing attention to themselves and they're drawing attention to that spirit being. They're worshiping angels, okay? They're, they're worshiping the spiritual. And John would say, test that. That's demonic. That's demonic. There is no direct and correct praise and worship of Jesus Christ. An angel of God would never receive. A true servant of God would never accept worship like that because they serve the one true God and they want you to worship Christ, not worship them. So the first big filter Going to pull that through, direct and correct. Sound doctrine, the scriptures, good theology, okay? What are they asking me to do? What is the outcome of this? And if it's not Christ alone, 
then it's a false spirit and I'm to reject it. Now, the second big filter is this. It's kind of like the first one, but a little bit different. The second big filter is this. Spiritual experience, experiences that dis distract from Jesus are also false. Spiritual experiences that distract from Jesus are also false. So I'm testing the spirits. Someone's had a spiritual experience. Does it distract from Jesus? If it distracts from Jesus, then it is false. False spirits distract from Christ by promoting false religions and empty ideas, okay? So it works like this. Any spiritual experience that is Jesus plus or Jesus minus is demonic. Any spiritual experience that's Jesus plus or Jesus minus is demonic. So if a religious leader stands up and says, hey, an angel visited me. Really? Yeah. What happened? He told me there was this new revelation of truth. Really? Yeah. What happened then? Took me out to this field and I found this hat and I, and I looked in it and I, and I saw these plates. That was a new revelation of truth. And so I took him and I wrote another part of the Bible. This is Mormonism. So you, you need to know the Bible, but then you need to know this too. And, and an angel told me that. Jesus plus. It's false. It's demonic. See, it's ab absolutely false. Why? Because it distracts. Now all of a sudden, I'm, I, oh, I don't get my salvation just from Christ alone. I got to do this stuff too? Yeah. Jesus plus. Okay. Uh, a religious leader that, that stands up and... Um, this happened in the 80s. A guy named Oral Roberts said, hey, an angel visited me. Really? Yeah, nine-foot angel stood at the foot of my bed. Do tell. What did he say? He said that I'm supposed to lock myself in this tower, and uh, if you don't send $10 million in in the next month, he's going to kill me. He said that. It's all over the news. I thought to myself, I'm going to miss you, bud. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Jesus plus. You got, you got to do this. You got to do this. You can't find that in the Bible. That's, that's not even close to the Bible. He made it up. Now, did he, have a, did he have a spiritual experience? Sure. I mean, I don't know, but okay. Was it godly or demonic? Well, it was demonic. How come? Because it distracted, it added to, it took away from who Christ is. Now, Jesus plus or Jesus minus. So you have a friend and they say, yeah, man, I... I've had this spiritual experience. Really, what was it like? Man, I had like this vision, like I saw all these things. And, and, and what's the outcome of that? Well, I'm, I just become a more spiritual person. I'm just, I just intensely spiritual. Oh, you're a follower of Jesus? Yeah, him and some other guys. I, 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 th this means a lot to me, and this means a lot to me, and nature means a lot to me, and, and Jesus, I really like his teachings too. And all of that really just makes me closer to, to a higher being, a higher, a higher power. That, by the way, that's Hinduism. See, Jesus minds. It, Jesus, you throw Jesus out? No, nah, we'll, we'll just put Jesus in. And, but we'll dilute him. We'll put these other things in. Oh, wait a minute. It, isn't he the one who said he's the only way to heaven? Yeah, but there's other thoughts, see. What is that rooted in? Well, John says test it. It's an anti-Christ. It's less than Jesus, okay? And so I am to test that, understand it, and understand what it's rooted in. Now, on a more personal level, the way this, this would show up on, on less of like a macro scale is, um, we, is certain things that we would do, certain teachings that we would be a part of. So 
Uh, your kids may have a time at school or maybe you have a class or something like that where you, you're stressed out, you're just a ball of stress, right? And so somebody says, hey, I found a way to de-stress. Oh, what do you, what do, you do? Oh, I go to this class and they help me to de-stress. And so you go to the class and they got the incense going and the potpourri, which tastes nasty, by the way. It's not dried fruit. I found that out the hard way one time. And so um, they ha- have it going and, and the, the teacher, the guide walks you through and says, okay, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to cleanse, we're going to cleanse ourselves and we're going to empty our minds and let's just empty our minds and get in touch with our inner self and just get in touch with our inner spirituality. Let's just empty ourselves, okay? It's a very common practice, right, uh, uh, how to relax. The problem is, you may not even realize it, that, that is 100% against the Bible. Did you know that? The, the Bible never, ever tells us to empty our minds. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, it says the exact opposite. It says, uh, Philippians says, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is good, think about these things. We, the Bible says take every thought captive. We're not to empty our minds, we're to fill our minds, and we're to fill our minds with the things of God. But that's it's such a spiritual experience. Yeah, but it's false. Well, a demon didn't show up, right? But it's rooted in things that are against God. It's a false way of, of thinking or uh, of, of teaching, right? I had a friend one time said, uh, I like to meditate to relax. And he's, the Bible says you should meditate. And I'm like, well, what do you do to meditate? He's like, oh, I, you know, I put on some inya, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, humana, 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 and I'm, I'm like meditating, you know? And I'm like, well, Yoda. Um, I said, I said uh, that's not meditation. He's like, yeah, it is. I'm like, no, but just because it's the same word doesn't mean the same thing. Biblical meditation isn't emptying yourself. Biblical meditation is taking a part of Scripture and running it through your mind again and again and again. It cleanses the mind, transforms the mind, cleanses the heart. It's ruminating on something. It's not emptying yourself of something. Jesus says, Be care- don't do that. If you have a room that's full of spirits or sin and you empty it and you don't refill it, that will boomerang back stronger than ever. We fill ourselves with the thoughts and the truth of God. We don't empty ourselves of ourselves, see? So what's that rooted in? Well, John says it's, it's either angelic or demonic. It's either pro-Jesus or anti-Jesus, okay? And if it's against the Bible, it's anti, okay? So when you go and do these things, you, have to, you think it through. If you go and do a, a spiritual yoga, right? And I'm not, do not email me about yoga. I, I'll de- I will delete you, okay? I'm not talking, if you want to go stretch your back and put yourself in a pretzel to feel better, go for it. I'm sitting on the couch eating chips, taking Advil. You do whatever you want to do, all right? <laughs> I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the spiritual sides of it, not the exercise itself, Okay but a spiritual practice or a spiritual meditation. I should test it, see where it comes from and understand then how I am supposed to interact with it. Every experience is that way. Any spiritual experience or thought process that claims to be truth yet does not align and celebrate the person of Jesus Christ is at a minimum rooted in falsehood and ultimately is a scheme of the devil. That's what the Bible says. Telling you what the Bible says, okay? 
Any spiritual experience or thought process that claims to be truth, yet does not align and celebrate the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to hear me. I did not say acknowledge. I said align with and celebrate. Sound doctrine, good theology is a falsehood. You don't take a false teaching and slap Jesus on it and call it truth. It aligns with and it celebrates direct and correct praise to Jesus in Christ alone, okay? All right, so that's a big macro picture. Let me try to answer some questions for you. Some of you like wrote me some questions and I try to address these kind of where we're at a lot, okay? So let me put some skin on it for you. So here's a question that came in. Are psychics real? Are psychics real? Are there human beings, psychics, mediums that can talk to the dead? And I would say to you, some are and some aren't. If you dial 1-800-PSYCHIC-HOTLINE and you're like, what's my future? And they're like, in the future, you will inhale and you will exhale. Then what I would do is I would check your credit because you probably just got your identity stolen, <laughs> okay? So they're fake. But are they in Long Island medium, stuff like that, where, where I talked, this person talked to the dead and told me something that only they knew. They told me this detail about grandpa's life that only grandpa and I know about. Is that person real? Did they talk to grandpa? Okay. The answer is yes. There are people in the Bible and even today who interact with the spirits. Are they interacting with grandpa? No. The Bible is crystal clear that when I die, one of two options. If I'm a follower of Jesus, the Bible says, Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The minute my soul leaves my body, if I'm a Christ follower, I'm with Christ. And the inverse is true. The minute my soul leaves my body, if I'm not a Christ follower, I'm forever separated from Christ in hell. Instantly happens. And it's irreversible. Okay? So they're, they're not lingering around. So they, they're not talking to grandpa. Who are they talking to? They're talking to a demon. Grandpa, was David possessed? I don't know. I don't know your grandpa. Right? I don't know. But... Can a, does a demon know something? Sure. Do demons communicate? Absolutely. Do they watch? Absolutely they watch. And is their main goal to deceive you? Yes. Okay? Now, let's just caveat for a second. Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He can't read your mind. Nor is he omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once. What is he? He's old, he has existed since before humanity, and he's cunning and wise, the Bible says, okay? So he knows, Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. He knows the tendency of humanity. Demons communicate with each other. So when grandpa gave you that quarter, and only you and grandpa know about it, can, that, can a demon have that information? Sure. Can they communicate it back through a median? Yes. Is that person talking with your grandfather's spirit? No, they're talking to a demon, it's the deception because if, if that demon can get you to trust and have peace and put faith in that median instead of Christ, see, they've, they, they've got you. They don't need to freak you out. They just need to have a counterfeit, something that you would believe instead. So are psychics real, mediums real? Some of them are. Some of them are just ripping you off. But who are they talking to? Remember, there's only one or two options. Okay, so they're talking to the demonic. Second question, are ghosts real? Yes and no. Is someone's spirit trapped? No. They're, with heaven, they're in heaven with Christ or they're forever separated from Christ in hell. 
Um, there is no purgatory. There is no getting in and out. There's not someone who's stuck here, and so they have to communicate through Whoopi Goldberg, 80s reference. Yeah, okay, so that, none, of that, none of that's real, okay? But I saw somebody, right, you saw a demon, but they look like Uncle Fred, right, angel of light. They're not going to jump out and go boo, okay, because that would freak you out. It would, it would push you right to Jesus, in our culture, okay? So they're gonna masquerade. So was the experience real? Sure. What was actually happening though? A deception was taking place, a desire to distract or push you away from, right? Because if Uncle Fred can live a life that's in rebellion against God and then convince you that he's in heaven, that's a great play for the father of lies. Okay, so would that play out? Sure it would, sure it would, does all time, okay? It's a real experience. Um, question, do I have a guardian angel? Is my, love, my deceased loved one my guardian angel now, okay? So is your deceased loved one your guardian angel? No, they're not, they're, they're with Christ or they're separated from Christ. Do I have a guardian angel? Like do I have my personal guardian angel named Steve? <laughs> no, you don't, his name's Bill, right? No, it's, okay, so no, we do not have a personal guardian angel. I, I don't believe that at all. Do angels help us? Sure, there's nothing in the Bible that says that they, should, they would no longer help us, uh, but do you have a personal guardian angel assigned to you? No, okay. Um, most of the help and the messages that we get from God in this stage of the, of the church comes from the word of God. The word of God being discerned and applied to us through his Holy Spirit. Most of the physical help you need comes from the people of God, the church. Don't forget, when the Bible was being written, the, there was no Bible, okay? So those things are recorded after the fact it's complete, it's an error, it's authoritative, it's the word of God, but we have it in a unique way, so God interacts with us differently. And when those things are happening, there's no church. The church is, is either hasn't started or it hasn't matured yet. So most of the help we get now is through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit of God, and through the church. But there's nothing in scripture that says that angels no longer show up at all anymore, okay? So could an angel, could I have had this experience and somebody covered me? Yes, Yes, I, I don't know. We'd have to talk through the details, tell you more about it. But the biggest thing is the outcome. Am I giving the angel praise or am I giving Jesus direct and correct praise? What's going on there, okay? So, but do you have a guardian angel? No. Here's a big one I get asked all the time. Are people mentally ill or are they demon-possessed? Are they mentally ill or are they demon-possessed? I 100% unequivocally absolutely believe in mental illness, absolutely. Just like the rest of our body can be sick, our brain can be sick. Just like we can have high blood pressure or high cholesterol and need medicine, we can be imbalanced chemically in our brains and need medicine as well. Is mental illness a real thing? Absolutely, it's a real thing. And praise God for psychologists and psychologists and for medicine that help us with that. Because when we were less informed about it, we would look at somebody and say, that guy, he's got a demon. And really, he's bipolar. He just needed some medicine. She's demon-possessed. And she's having postpartum depression. 
help her, right? So praise God that we live in a different day and age where those things are available and that understanding is there. I absolutely believe it in mental illness without question. I absolutely, without question, unequivocally believe in demon possession, demon, demonic activity. Undoubtedly, absolutely, it's all over the Bible. Absolutely. In fact, many of the accounts of demonic possession in the Bible, today we would automatically say that person was mentally ill. But Jesus would look at that person in their behavior and say, they got a demon. He cast that demon out, right? So what do we do with it? We test, we evaluate both, right? We look at a person and say, hey, are you harboring sin in your life? Have you dabbled? Have you welcomed in these dark spirits? What's going on in your life? Let's test this, okay? If we're mentally ill and medicine helps, then, it, then great, right? But it would be foolish to discount either one. It's important to test both of those things because they're both relevant and they're both uh, available and they're both as real as the day is long, okay? One is unseen, uh, harder to understand, but real. And the Bible will give account and truth to both of those things, okay? Um, do angels and demons still affect us today? Yes, they do. Uh, there's no withdrawing that from uh, the world. The scripture doesn't just close the door down on that, okay? So somebody asked me last night, they said, uh, uh, Pastor Jeff, have you ever cast a demon out of someone? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Okay. It's very, very real. I didn't say an enchantment. I didn't sprinkle them with holy water. Nobody threw up pea soup. Nobody was stuck to the ceiling. None, none of that ever happened. But is, is the demonic real? Sure, it's real. Does it happen a bunch? No. It's not like Tuesday. Tuesday from one to three is demon time. You know, we don't... <laughs> Don't, don't sensationalize the whole thing. But is it real? Sure it is. Sure it is. Have we dealt with it? Yeah, absolutely dealt with it. Have I dealt with it? Do our missionaries in Brazil or Africa or Haiti deal with it more blatantly? Yes, they do. Okay. Why do they deal with it more blatantly? Because it's not the best play in the Western culture. If your head spins around and your eyes bug out and, and you start saying things backwards in Latin, you're going to go to church. See, it's going to freak you out. The, this, the, what we deal with, spiritual leaders deal with in the Western culture in many ways is much more difficult because Satan isn't going to freak you out. He's going to distract you and pull you off point. Okay? The distraction, that group of people that live a more morally pure life than the average Bible-believing Christian who say you got to believe this book too, they're mu that's much harder to understand and deal with than this person over here who's freaking out about something, okay? So do we deal with it? Sure, we deal with it, absolutely. But the deception, it's all for deceptive purposes, okay? And you kind of deal with it the way that it works, but it's as real today as it's, as it's ever been, okay? All right, I love the way that uh, John... Uh, what he says here in verse four, and the thought that we're gonna conclude with, look at it, verse four, chapter four, first John. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Why does God tell us this stuff? He tells us this because we can't see it, 
He tells us this because it's real. He tells us this so we can be sure our worship is pure. We're not deceived ourselves, okay? He does not tell us this stuff to freak us out. This is not weird, freaky facts from the Bible that we should stay up all night and be scared of, okay? Especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ because the Bible is very clear that Jesus came into the world to save us because we live on this battlefield and we can't rescue ourselves. Our sin and the attacks of the evil one, Christ comes in, defeated sin, defeated death, provides our salvation for us. And when I accept Christ as my savior, I accept the forgiveness of my sin, the Bible is abundantly clear that at that moment, I receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God indwells me and lives within me and he is the one who is greater that is within me than the one who is in the world. God is more powerful than Satan and he has defeated Satan already. And when I think about spiritual things, I think about demonic activity, it is not to freak me out, it's not to scare me to death because the spirit of God is more powerful within me than anything that could ever happen to me or against me from the evil one. All authority and power has been given to me as a part of the church of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives within me. So when I think about these things, I don't think about them in a defensive way. I don't think about them in a sensational way. I think about them in a victorious way. I've been given the mind of Christ. I've been given the Holy Spirit, the word of God, so I can discern and cut through all the noise and I can test and and land rightly on whether something is angelic or it is demonic. And that is a part of who I am as a follower of Jesus Christ. I should take great comfort and absolute security in it. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, nothing I just said is true of you. And I'm not saying that to freak you out. If you've come to grace, you know I'm not a, not a very sensational kind of a guy, right? Just kind of am who I am. I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm just telling you the truth. That you are completely vulnerable, completely open. And you should be very aware that Satan hates you, wants to steal, kill, and destroy you and your family. And if the Holy Spirit of God is not within you, you are absolutely 100% vulnerable and 100% absolutely believe that you are the target of the evil one. Because he hates your guts. And so as a believer, this is part of what God rescues us from. It's a huge part of our salvation. It's why we worship God and worship him correctly. If we're not a follower of Jesus, it's a huge arena of vulnerability. That's why we're so open to deception. See? That's why we'll, we'll more than or less than Jesus and feel good because it's a lie and it takes us off where we need to be. John, hey, listen, you're children of God. Greater is he that is in you and he that's in the world. Live in, rest in move forward in the security of that truth. All right. I'm going to ask the band to come out. As they settle in, let me ask you two questions. Two questions. Number one, are you aware of the unseen? Is your radar up? Should be. That's why the Bible tells us about it. See? Most of me, half of me is invisible. And that's true of the world around us. And so the unseen isn't to freak us out. It's to focus us in. And whether that's salvation or whether that's discerning what's happening around me, are you aware of the unseen? Are you testing whether things are from God or from the evil one? Okay. Second question, this one's very direct. Listen, 
Are you dabbling in this stuff? Are you dabbling in it? Guys, this stuff is no joke, okay? And it's a part of our culture. Ouija boards, as an example, you can get them at Walmart or Target. They, they, the, the sole purpose is to make contact with the spirit world. It's not, it's not a toy. It shouldn't be in your home. It shouldn't be a game that you play. It's a, it's a dangerous thing. Uh, the things that you would see online, the games that you would play, the spirit games that you would play, video games, they're not just toys. It's not just always magic and mysticism. You have to discern it because it can be dangerous things, tarot cards or horoscope, palm readers, right? These are, these are dangerous things that open doors. Oh, the, Jeff, they, they feel like they're, they're harmless. Right, they're meant to. They're meant to be deceptive, okay? So the things we participate in, the entertainment we partake in, we are to test it and we are to understand it. Uh, when you see you know, kids playing Bloody Mary, th- those aren't games that junior high girls play at all-nighters. Th- those are attempts to contact the spirit world. It's a big deal. So this is not to be a part of your life. It's not to be a part of your children's life. Mom, dad, you have to protect. You have to discern, okay? Should we be paranoid? No, because greater is he that's in us than he is in the world. But should we be aware? Absolutely. That's why the Bible tells us these things, okay? And if we're dabbling in, playing with, this should be rebuked, thrown away, okay? Because it's not from God. It's from the evil one. It's not to be a part of our lives, all right? Would you think about it? Pray about it. Ask God if he would open up your heart and your mind to the invisible that's all around us.